0: We know there are many differences between Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov representing Klal Yisrael, Esav representing Um Umah Yaakov and Esav themselves were twins, and as they developed and they matured, their paths obviously went from being very close to being extremely far away, as far away as as possible. And there are many, many ramifications of these different divergent paths, and one of them is visibly clear in this week's parashop. The Prasuk says that asaph upon being offered presents from Yaakov when they finally had this long-awaited encounter, asaph says, I don't need your gifts. Okay, thank you, but no thank you. Yeshli Rav. I have so much, I don't need it. Yeshli Rav. Yaakov a Pesach later, says, Take it, take what I'm giving you. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has favored me v'chi yeshli And I have everything. I have everything that I need. So we have a contrast in is that all the Mepharshim take note of, that Esav used the Lashon of yeshli rav, and Yaakov responds with the Lashon of yeshli kalv. Rashi, on the spot, explains that this is a difference in... The way that they felt about themselves, Yaakov was very self-confident. He felt that he had what he needed. Yeshliko, whatever I need, I have. Esav, on the other hand, was a balgavo, and he was bragging. And he says, "I have an abundance. I have more than I need. I have wealth. I have affluence, more than I could ever use." Rav is a Russian of like extra. I have so much, I don't need it. That's gaivah. Yaakov says, Yeshuikah Hashem, I have, I have what I need. He didn't say, I have more than I need, I have plenty. He just said, I have what I need. And the Chavitz Chaim elaborates on this Rashi. And the Chavitz Chaim says that more than just merely being a matter of semantics of whether or not you use a Lushna of Gaiva, of Yeshli Rav, or you use a Lushna of being Mistapik, being satisfied in Yeshli kail. it's much more of an attitude. It's an attitudinal difference between Yaakov and Asa. That's what the words kail and Rav symbolize. An attitude towards how we look at Eilam Hazet. Yaakov Avino looks at Eilam Hazet that I don't need, I don't need everything. Whatever I have, that's what I have. Esau, on the other hand, looks at Elamhaza as as something that I need more and more of. I can't get enough. I have so much, and we know the rule is that if you're looking to be wealthy, there's never an end to that wealth. You'll just want to keep doubling your wealth. People that have a certain amount of money, they're not satisfied with that. Even people that are super wealthy, talking about, let's say, not just people that make a nice salary or even more than a nice salary, but people that are billionaires, that it wouldn't be possible for them ever to spend even a fraction of what they own, of what they have, they're still obsessive about doubling their wealth and about maximizing their returns. They never have enough. It's always, I need more and more and more of Adam And that's the difference, says time between a Yaakov and an Esav. A Yaakov is happy with what he has. I don't need to go crazy and try to be the wealthiest man in the world. I don't need to have all the affluence and all the wealth. And Esav is insati- insatiable in his appetite. He always wants more. He always wants bigger and better and faster. And he's never satisfied with what he has. Now the truth is that as much as we descend from Yachim Avino, I don't think it's possible for many of us to claim that we don't have a bit of this attitude of Asa within us. Many people, they want more and more. And they're not happy with what they have. If we have a certain cell phone, and the cell phone works, and it makes calls, and it even has email on it, you automatically need the next one. I need the next type. It's the new uh, S6 came out, whatever, and I, I need I need that new that new Madriga, the new generation iPhone. I need. Can't what What's wrong with the old generation? Nothing. It's just not the new one. And the list goes on and on. We need the latest model cars. We need you know everything to be you know the latest. Glasses, the latest shoes, the latest styles, have to keep on redoing our kitchen. If you're a homeowner, constantly making additions, making renovations, what we have is not good enough. That mindset, that we always need to tear things apart and to make things better and newer, and that we're not happy with what we have, it works. What do I need a new one for? Why should I have to get a new one? What, for what? If we feel that we constantly need to upgrade, and we need more of something, we're, if we're collectors, let's say, we need to get more and more and more, of whatever it is, then there's an A-sub inside of us. You know, I, I heard once a very cute story from Matasio Salomon, he said that he was once sitting and talking with Rav Shach, And Rav Shach was known to always have, like in his pocket, a bunch of candies. And whenever a child would come over to get a bracha or whatever, he would, you know, offer him a candy. Or if he was at home, he would go to the cabinet and take out a whole bag of candies. And one time there was a child that came while he was in the middle of a conversation with him at Salomon. And Rav Shach pulls out a whole bunch of assorted color candies. And the child was, like, given the choice of picking one of them. And Rav Shach says, you probably want this one, the red one. All kids like red candies. So here, take the red one. And the kid smiles and he, he walks away. So about Solomon says to Rav Shach, as a joke, he says, he says, the Rashiva is making this child into an Aesub. You know, Aesub wanted halitani adam He wanted the red, the red, you know, the exciting red uh, lentil soup. You now, the color red is a very enticing color. That's why, you know, Coca-Cola makes their cans and their products red, because it it, it makes the appetite stronger. People like red, red is something that inflames that 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 sort of Stirs up a certain passion inside of oneself. He says, You're making this child an Aesop, you're offering him a red candy, Titus. So Shak says, You know, you're right. He says, Sometimes, you know, when you're young, you have Titus, and those are good Titus. When a child is young, he should have Titus. He should want to do and run and, 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 and be excitable, be passionate about things. But the problem with Esau was that he continued with this baby mindset, this spoiled, necessary, you know, constantly needing more and more, even when he was an adult. Sometimes you see middle-aged people or old people, and they're driving around in these, like, you know, candy, apple red Corvettes, you know, convertibles. Why do they do that? Because it's a nebuch, it's a money. They never have through that babyish mentality that I need more and more, that I need, you know, to have the red. And so when we're children and we have these tithists that we want more stuff and more so we want to collect comic books, we want to collect baseball cards, and we want to, you know, and everything is like, I need it. It's okay. When you're a child, that's sort of what you should be doing. But as you're maturing, as we're maturing, hopefully our ideals change and we become more yakir like And we become able to say, yes, yeah, it's okay, I have what I have, it's good. I don't need more, I don't have to get crazy to get the better and the bigger and the finer. It's okay what I have, it works, it's good. But yet we are... We are somewhat of an A ourselves. So what I want to talk about today is to explore a little bit why Esau was Esau, why Yaakov was Yaakov, and maybe if we'd be able to look under the hood of what made them tick, we'd be able to perhaps move a little closer to being like Yaakov and breaking ourselves away from the immaturity of an Esau. The Torah describes Esau as an ish yadei Sayyid ish sada. He was a person who was a hunter, and he was a man of the field. He lived out in the field. Now, when a person lives out in the field, in the wilderness, in the world of Teva, in the world of nature, the natural habitat, there are certain rules that are different from the rules that we in civilized areas should be abiding by. You see, when a person lives in, in a world of nature, in a world of, of Teva, in a world of an ish Sada, there is something called the law of the jungle. The law of the jungle means that I can do whatever I need to do to survive. You know, Darwin, I think, coined the phrase that survival of the fittest. Whatever, whoever is the most fit in the jungle, in the world of tabas survives. If you're able to be fit and strong, if you know how to hunt, If you know how to kill, you will survive. If you don't, then you're dead. It's kill or be killed. You have a choice to make. And so what happens is that a person begins to think, in the jungle, in the Saga, a person begins to believe that everything is mine. Yeshli, Rab, I can take whatever I want. Everything is mine. I'm entitled to get. there's no laws in the jungle. There's no, no, no such thing as saying, well, I can't take this because that's owned by somebody else. Or I'm not allowed to hurt somebody. You can hurt whoever you want. You can kill whatever you want. You can attack. Everything is yours. There's no laws in the jungle except for either kill or be killed. And whenever a person sees, he's entitled to. It. There's no laws. There's no rules. Yeshli, Rab, I have as much as I want. No one can stop me. And not only can no one stop me, I'm entitled to anything that I can, Anything that I get, I'm entitled to. You can't tell me that that's not yours. It is mine. If I can take it, I'm entitled to it. This is something that's very foreign to us because we're a tiro. Because we have a conscience, because we have a Torah, we have a shochtanah that tells us what we can do, what we can't do. There's a famous adam Gadol who once said a milah, just to give a little glimpse into what yeshiva is like. And he said that you could leave a pen in yeshiva. I think he said that it happened to him. He was he visited a yeshiva once and there was a pen that he left by accident in the yeshiva, and he came back 12 years later, and the pen was still there exactly where he left it. No one dares touch it. It's like, you know, I, I don't know what to do with a pen. It's, it's there, just, you know, everyone gets nervous if they see a pen they don't know what to do with. It's, you know, an umbrella, you know, it's all Kodesh Kashem. I don't know what to do with it. That's not the way many people in the world think. People think, if I could get away with it, if no one's looking, it's mine. It's my pen. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers, no show on earth. If I can take it, it's mine. I'm entitled to it. To us, it's a very foreign idea. You're entitled to it. Who entitled you to it? It's not yours. It's mine because if I can take it, if I can get away with it, I can do it. Anything goes in the jungle. There's no. There's no rules. Let me just, you know... Somebody sent me an email of a picture of a person in Ferguson... Where's Ferguson? Missouri. Missouri. Ferguson, Missouri. The picture is of a, of, a, of a person and he's holding a sign. The sign... You would think it's a joke. You would think it's Mamet because being in yeshiva, it has to be a joke. Being a yid... Being a human being, it has to be a joke, but it's not a joke, it's reality. This is what it says on the, on the sign that this person is protesting in Ferguson, Missouri about. No mother should have to fear for her son's life every time he robs a store. It's not, they're not protesting the fact that you know, that, that, that there was a, a police officer shot and killed a black man. They're protesting the fact that it's not fair that a mother should go to sleep knowing that her son is robbing her. That's not the problem. The problem is that when she when the kid Nebuch is robbing the store, that he's in danger. No mother should have to fear for her son's life every time he robs a store. Shouldn't say every time he crosses the street. Every time he robs as if that's a normal thing. What kind of mother are you if you think it's normal for your son to be robbing a store? We can't understand. This must be a joke. But it's not a joke because to certain people, to certain people, and this is nothing, it's not a racist comment, this is, this is talking about many, many people, regardless of whether you're black or white or, or red or, or yellow, or it doesn't matter. There are people out in the world that firmly believe this. That you're able to rob a store, and that's a normal given. Because if you can get away with it, go! You're entitled to it. There must be somebody that didn't hobble to you somewhere you know, in the past that you deserve to be, in, to, to be getting something in that store. This is an Aesop. This is entering the world of Aesop that should be as foreign to us as shaman is to ours. It's Aesop a concept of living in a place and without any rules, without any regulations, that everything is my entitlement, I'm entitled to my family. I can do whatever I want. Anything goes in the jungle. Where you live in the field, there's no limitations. Whatever you do is fine. You can take what you want, when you want it, on whatever terms it is. As long as you, you know, are surviving, as long as you're getting through life, good, go for it. Yeshli Rav, I take as much as I want, whenever I want it. Yaakov Avinu is the exact polar opposite of this concept. Yaakov Avinu says, at the beginning of the power he says to Rabbi Rav Kata'inti mikala chasadim Whatever you give to me, Rabbi I am too small, I am not deserving. I don't deserve any of the chesed. Whatever I have is not magieli. Nothing is magieli. Nothing is coming to me. If you give me anything, it's purely because you gave it to me. It's nothing to do with me. I didn't deserve it. I don't earn it. I don't. It's all from you. Because Yaakov Avinu, as the pasuk says, was an ishtam. He was a pure, simple individual. Yaseh b'halam. He wasn't out in the field. He wasn't in a place that was unrestricted, that was complete no man's land, that was Dodge City, you could do whatever you want. He was sitting in an aisle. An aisle means it's a restricted area. There's limitations in an aisle. An aisle is an enclosed, surrounded area that I have rules, I have regulations that I must abide by. That's what it means to be a Yeshua I'm sitting in an aisle. Whatever I have, I have. What I'm not entitled to is not mine. I don't touch what I don't have. It's not mine. It's not meant to be. He was a yeshiva alim. He was living in a temporary dwelling place. He wasn't looking for fancy riches. He wasn't looking to do... He just wanted to live a simple life, a simple Tairitik and Kedusha life. The Chavitz Hayim is a famous story that a certain person from America came to visit the Chavitz Hayim and the story is famous, I don't know if it's so famous who was the person that came to Chaim from America it wasn't a man, believe it or not, it was a woman and the woman's name was Necha Golding Necha Golding was a tremendous tzadikas who lived in the upper west side and she made parlor meetings for the great yeshivas in Europe this is going back to the early 1900s and the Gedalim we were very fond of Nechah Golding, the Chavitz Chaim and Herb Ochanan and her um, and Shemar Epstein. Many of the Gedei Yisrael were, you know, sent her letters thanking her for all of her help that she sent constant money to these yeshivas that needed it. Her husband was very wealthy. Her husband and, and his brother were very, very wealthy. They owned many buildings in, the, in Manhattan, in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. The brother... Necha Golding's brother's husband's brother, his wife, was a woman by the name of Dora Golding. The camp that we go to for our Shabbaton, Dora Golding, that was named after her because she was the one who was instrumental in starting this camp for poor children, um, you know, as they were refugees after the war, and it, it became a beautiful camp, a popular camp in the summer to go to now. So this Mrs. Nefa Golden comes to the Chabitzhaim and for Brahman to talk. And the Chavitz of course, lived in a very, very decrepit home. It was a home they still you could still go visit. It's still there in rather an old home. No no modern amenities, even back then. There's a story that goes that they always had dirt floors in Europe, in the poor homes. And then they started developing wooden floors to put and That was a very big chiddush at the time that you have a wooden floor that made the house warmer, it looked neater, it was nicer. The Chavetz Chaim's rabbitson wanted a wooden floor in the worst way possible. She wanted a wooden floor, it's more it's beautiful, it's nice. She said, absolutely not, it's maestress, we don't need it. It's We don't... She said, but the, the Reb Chaim has a wooden floor in his house and he got very upset." with Chaim Leizer is the nasty and so He's the Gad he Says he's entitled; he has to have it. he for Malachim. He says we don't, we don't need it. The story goes that one day the Chabad Tzayet comes home and she had the floor installed without his permission, and he wasn't so happy about it at all. And then he comes home on Erev Shabbos and he sees the whole family like scrubbing this wooden floor, and he says. Nebuch, he says, instead of having time now to, to scrub our hearts before Shabbos, we have to spend the time to scrub the wooden floor. The Chavetz Chaim's house was very, very, very simple. And this Necha Golden came from wealth and affluence. She was a very wealthy lady. And she couldn't get over that the Chavetz Chaim had really no furniture in the house or broken furniture. If you want to get a taste of what the Chavetz Chaim's house looked like, go visit today or Steinemann's house in Gnebrah. Same thing. All broken. Nothing. Kind of. He sits. He sits on a on a hard bed. He sits and learns with a with like a stool on his back. And that's what Golden says, "I don't understand. Where's your furniture? Where's the front? Where's the couch and the sofa and the and the you know and the dresser and the this? Where's where's all the furniture? Where's the stuff?" And so the Chavitz Chaim turns around and says to her, he says, where's your furniture? I don't see you schlepping a dresser with you and a, 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 you know, where's your stuff? She says, well, I'm traveling. My stuff is at home. I'm, I'm, I'm on a trip. So he says, I'm also traveling. I'm also traveling. I don't, I'm not here. This is not a permanent life. I'm here. This is, a, this is a temporary. We're moving through world through life quickly and we don't need a lot of furniture. I'm happy with what I have. That means that he lived in a temporary dwelling place The this time, and that's what Yatav did. He was in Ishtam Yeshev Holland. He sat in a tent. He could have built himself a house, but the Pasek describes him as sitting in a tent in the sense that he understood, he recognized this Ayla Mahaza business is just temporary. And it's not something we have to get crazy about, that we need better and bigger and more what we have is hours from the rabbinic realm. I don't deserve it. I don't need to. Like I, I'm not entitled to anything. And I think what's really telling in the mentality of Yaakov Avinu is how the pasuk, how he says in the pasuk right before the words that I have everything that I need. He says, Asha the rabbinic shalom was Chanan Aisi. He gave me chain. What is that word? Hanani Alekim. The word chain means he gave me a matnas chinam. Whatever I have in life is not deserved. It's all a gift. It's nothing. I am not entitled to a ki huzat. Everything that we have from the rabbinic we have to be grateful for because we don't deserve anything if we're alive, we have to be makir tied for the Rebbe that we're alive. And if we have a shirt on our back, we have to be makir for that. And whatever we have, we have to understand that it's not in it's not the, law of the jungle. It's not that I can take whatever I want whenever I want and whatever I can get away with, I can take and keep and it's mine. And I have to get into haza that, you know, whatever, I have to have more and more and more. And the consumerism that consumes us in this day and age, this time of year, you just have to look what's going on in the world. You know, with Black Friday and Cyber Monday and the lines around every target and lines up, you know, up and down the block by Best Buys, looking to save a few dollars to buy what? What do they buy? What are they standing out in the freezing colds waiting for? What? More gosh, and more things, more extras that they don't can't afford and they don't really need and they don't even want. But they have to buy. They need more and more and more because it's my guilty. I need it, I want it, it's mine, I can get it. Swipe a credit card and bring it home. Hunting. We're hunters. We go out, and we bring it, we, we buy it, we swipe it. It's back, it's, it's ours. That's the polar opposite of what Yakovina represents. Yakovina was simple. Simple, we're simple people. For Yeshua HaLam, we understand that we're here only as a temporary situation. We don't get enamored with Eilamaza. We're in an ayel, we have a shulchanarach, we're confined by laws. And not just by halaches, but by hashkafas or the Messiah that we don't need more. We don't need more if we have Bar HaShem and Asher Chanani Whatever we have as a gift, as a start for a Hashem, I don't need more. I'm entitled to get it. I need it. You don't need it. If you don't need it, then don't get it. What you have, appreciate what you have. I have, I don't need it. When you think about getting something else, ask yourself, do you need it? Is it something that you buy? If you need it, you need it. Obviously, if you need a, you know, you need a, a, a Shabbos suit, you don't have one, so go get one. Well, let's say you already have two in the closet. Do you really need the third one? If you have a, a phone that works, do you need to get the more, the stadier phone? If you already, this is already the next phase in life. If you have a, a kitchen and the kitchen works, do you really need to rip apart the whole kitchen and put a new one in if you don't really need one? A lot of people do. A lot of people do. A lot of people, you know, you move into a house, the first thing you do is you rip out the kitchen. What's wrong with the old kitchen? My parents have been, you know living in the same house now for a long time, 40 years, and same kitchen, same kitchen that I grew up in as a kid is the same kitchen that they have today. Whereas people, you know, a quarter of their age have already ripped out two kitchens, three kitchens. What was wrong with the old one mother? We need a new kitchen. Everything has to be new and new and new. I call it the the renovation generation. Everything has to be constantly renovated. Nothing is ever good enough. Our parents, our grandparents were not like this. It's a new thing that you know you have to build and bigger and better. You drive through the streets of, of of certain Jewish neighborhoods and fancier and bigger and we don't need it. It's not us. That's not what we're supposed to be. If we need it, fine. But if we don't need it, what are you doing it for? All it is is poking out the eyes of the Gayen. They get very jealous of us. But it's not more than that, it's not a Jewish Midah to have to want and to need more and more. That's an Esau. An Esau is a person that says Yeshli Rab and Yeshle man, Manuratsa Masani needs and wants more, bigger, better. It's not what we are. It's not what we are. You know why I have k'al? You know I'm able to establish be the b'mut because I realize that whatever I do have is a gift. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve what I have. So why should I get something bigger? You find this attitude of Yaakov Avinu a few times in this parsha. I counted three, maybe there's more, but the word Hanani in different forms appears in this parasha three times. This place, whatever I have, it's a gift from the rabbinic island. That's number one. Yaakov, also says, when Esav asks him, Who are your wives and children? Who are these? He looks at the wives and children and says, Yaakov says, These are the children, these are the family that I was granted. Bechinom. From the Rabbi I didn't deserve a wife and a children. I didn't deserve it. Why do I have it? Hakadosh Baruch gave it to me. It wasn't entitled. It wasn't Nobody ever gave me a constitution that says I'm entitled to a wife and child or twelve. To, I'm not. I'm not entitled to anything. The Rabbi gave it to me. It's a gift. Not only that, but that's not only my attitude towards the Rebbeinu That's my attitude to them. When my wife goes shopping for Shabbos. And makes a beautiful Shabbos, that's not a given. That's a gift. And you have to say thank you for that gift. When your children are nice and respectful and they, you know, bring home a good mark on their test, that's a gift. And you have to appreciate that. Yaakov Avinu had this constant like, obsession with everything being a mataskinam. It's Kananial Kim. Everything is from the Rebbe And there's nothing that I do that I that I really have, it's all from him. And also, it says in the parasha, later, that when he came to Shechem, it says, Vayichan as Pnei Vayichan as Pnei means that he gave the city that he was in a chain. Vayichan. And the measure says that when Yachim moved into the city of Shechem, he was so makir tight to the city that he built up marketplaces in the city. Not only did he build up a marketplace, an area for commerce, but he sold produce at a highly subsidized rate. He, under, he, he basically provided, not free of charge, for the whole city of Shechem, goods and services at a cut, cut at Mamasha at cost. Why do you do this? Again, by Yichan. He felt himself unworthy. He walked through life thinking that, you know, everyone is doing me a favor. This city is so good to me. I want to give something back. I want to give something back. We walk through life and we complain about everything. You know, the sanitation department doesn't pick up my garbage on time. And, you know, on the streets, you know, when, when it snows out, you know, they don't shovel well. And it's you know, the other side of the block gets shoveled better than our side and the other side of town. And, you know, people are complaining about the mayor. They want to fire the mayor. Everything is everything is a problem. Everything. You know, it's dirty and it smells. Yaakov yeah, didn't have, have that attitude. Yaakov said, wow. I get this. I, I'm in a town, and there are roads for me to travel on, and there's trees for me to enjoy, and there's all types of benefits that I get from living in this neighborhood. I want to get back to the town. It's all a gift. I don't deserve anything. It's not mine for the taking. I just feel indebted constantly to, Shem, to the people around me. Like, what can I do for you? you know, President Kennedy said one of the most famous lines in, 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 in world history He said, Ask not what your country could do for you, but ask what you could do for your country. I don't know if he you personally you know, believed that or not, but it happened to be a brilliant line. And it wasn't just a line to Jacobina. This is how Yacobino lived. He wasn't asking, you know, what's my Ali, what can I get from this? But rather you're saying, what can I do back? I, I feel like indebted. I walk around feeling like a balchaiv to everything, and everybody. I don't deserve what I have. I, I'm breathing, I'm walking, I have, a, I have clothes to wear, there's heat in the room. Baruch Hashem, I had breakfast today. There's so much for us to be grateful to, for, but sometimes we have an attitude that we're entitled to it. Oh, I paid for it. I'm on the meal plan. Of course, I got I got fed. That's not true. Who gave you the money for the meal plan? Your parents did. So you have to thank your parents. And even if even after people are getting paid, you still have to be magnitified. L. A. Short says, you know, we go through life and a waiter is waiting on the table, we're in a restaurant, we're paying, we're gonna tip him. So we feel because we're tipping him, we could treat him like garbage. You know, this soup is cold, get it back into the you know, heat it up. You treat him like a like a subhuman. The person's a human being, you have to thank him. He set the table before you came into the restaurant. He's waiting on you, he's bringing you food, he's gonna clear the table and clean up after you. You have to inocurate the I but I'm paying him. Payment is not just monetary payment. You pay a person with a thank you, with a kareshatay, with feeling like I'm grateful to you. The mailman brings us mail every day. He walks in the snow and in the rain and the heat, and nothing stops the mailman. But we're complaining, you know, the mail, you know, doesn't come on time any day, and you know, he loses my mail. We have all the complaints in the world, but at the end of the day, we have to be active. The guys bring us our mail every day. We go into a store. And of course, it's a business. But look at what the guy's doing for us. He's go into a supermarket. We're so big. Oh, this guy's making a fortune. You know, look at how many people on shop You have to be probably a multi Maybe so, but at the end of the day, the guy has provided a store that's nicely lit, that all the items on the store are well packaged and, you know, fresh. All you have to do is you have to just take your little... Shopping cart, go through the aisles, take what you need, go to the cash register, and you're ready for Shabbos. That's said. He's making business? Fine, his business. But you have to be maculatized. You have to look and, and, and appreciate what it is. Not have an entitled attitude that because I'm paying, uh, you know, I mean, he has the customer is king. That's his business. That's not your business. You have to be maculatized to him because he's doing a chesed for you at the end of the day. This is the inherent difference between a Yaakov and an Esau. Yaakov looks at everything as a Mahnas Everything is khain. I see khain in the world. I walk around the world and I see the charm of the world. I see the greatness of humanity. I see the unbelievable Chesed that Akharsh Parvul showers upon me day after day. An Esau walks around the world grumpy and upset and feeling like everybody owes him something, and that he's entitled to take and to hoard and to get more, and no one can stop me. That's not Yaakov. Yaakov, we're Ishtam, we're Yeshiva at home, we sit in the tent, it's temporary. Nothing is coming to us, we're confined in a world of halacha, of shokhanach, of sataib. We're happy with who we are, we're happy with what we have and we're grateful and look at it like a madas <laughs> I think that this vart that we're speaking about is really a Gemara and Saita. The Gemara Saita says that there are three chains. The Gemara and Saita, that Vem Zayin, and Aleph says, Rabbi Yechanan says, Shloisha chen there are three types of chains in the world. It's an amazing number. It's something you have to remember. There are three types of chines. Chain makem al There's a chain of a place to a person who lives there. Wherever a person lives, it seems they have a certain pride in where they live. If you're a New Yorker, you're proud of being a New Yorker. If you're somebody, if you live in, in L.A., you're proud of being in L.A. If you live in Florida, you're proud to be Florida. Wherever you live, if you live in Australia, if you live in Eretz if you live in Europe, wherever it is that you come from, there's a certain aim about a city that you come from. You know, you're proud of the baseball team, you're proud of the hockey team, whatever it is that you come from, there's a pride that you take in where you come from. Why? Why am I proud to come from a certain place? Because the rabbinic Shalom gave you this pain. He gave you this ability to find pain in where you live. And that's the way it is. There's like a sort of like a dust, like a magical dust on a person that's like, it's a spell that where I live, that's an amazing place. I wax nostalgic about growing up in a certain place because there's a pain of that place to me. Rabiachan continues and he says, Chain Isha Bailo. If a person is married to a particular woman, she finds chain in his eyes. What? I don't know. Sometimes you know you see a husband and a wife, and you just can't get the shuddha through yet. You don't understand what is he sees in her. Why did he marry? I don't see it. Doesn't, you know, they don't look right together. She's not necessarily the nicest person. This guy's a great guy. What did he do that he had to marry this girl? Why? But he's like, he finds chen in her. How did that happen? Because the rabbinic made that in Mitzios. There's a chen isha haila. A woman to her husband, she has chen. The third thing that rabbinic shalom says, chen mekach aleichov. Person, you buy something, he's very enamored with that purchase. Sometimes, you know, you see a guy wearing a tie. You go, why did he buy it? He likes that tie? Why would he wear that tie? He likes it. The Rebbe put in him the ability to like... This the Marsha explains this tomorrow, that he brings halachas, but he basically says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the entire world populated. There are certain areas that are not populated, but of the populated areas where Branchum wants human beings living in all of those areas that are destined to be populated. So how do you get a human being to why doesn't like everybody live in Florida? Or everybody should live in, in, in Los Angeles. The climate is always perfect. It's always nice. You know, you got plenty of kosher restaurants down there or, or over there. Why every, shouldn't everybody be living there? Why are we living in, 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 you know, in New York? New York is freezing in the winter. It's hot in the summer, you know. Or, or even a better question, why do people live, like, up in, you know, in Edmonton? a place that I'm not much freezing. freezing. You know, you have to, like, put heaters in your cars so they don't break. Wherever you, it's true. They're parking, you know, if you park outside, you have to, there's special machines that you, you have to, like, fuck your car up, too, so that they keep warm, because otherwise the engine will crack. And if, that is, if that's what happens to a car, you can imagine what happens to a human being in these climates. But so yet people, to the millions, live in these very freezing climates, or in very, you know, very boiling hot climates, way beneath the equator, that it's not as you can't live, but they live there, and they're sort of happy. How do you get people to move there and stay in these areas? That's what Rabbi means, that there's a chen. There's a chen, the Rebbein the Rabbi puts in your heart, I like it here, I don't know why. I like it here, I'm happy here, it's good. Also we know the Rabbi on 40 days before the of Vlad, the Rabbi HaSholam paskins that fast, plenty of plenty, That Shkritzi is supposed to marry Chayim. Now how is Chayim supposed to marry Shkritzi? Chaim is looks like he does, Sprintzi looks like she does. And naturally it shouldn't work. It shouldn't be a shit. On paper, you know, personalities they might not be hundred percent, you know, besay but this is how it was destined to be. How is it gonna happen? The Rubina Sham says the Mashafot's a chaim. has Chain, not to everybody else, just to Chaim. And Chaim likes her, Chaim Chain Mecca Khalishad also. Every single field, as I'll say, is destined to be bought by a certain person. And every chefez. How do you get a person to like one house over another house? I don't know. I saw the house, I looked at it, and it had, had appealed to me. That's a chein that the Rebbein puts put because this is how in order to make shiduchim you need to have this thing or else it won't work. I want to say a little bit more than the marshal. That not only at the point of purchase is there a chein, But in order for the relationships to continue working, there has to be a chein. Not just to get me to move to a cold climate or a hot climate, but to stay there. And to stay married to the woman. And to be able to keep my purchases and enjoy them and appreciate them. All of these things need a continuous chein. That's what the Rabbi puts said. But we have to realize, we have to train ourselves, we have to be ourselves, to have this attitude, not just yesh liqab, but what causes the yesh liqab. I understand that it's a mad naschinam. The Rabbi Yishraim gives me these things as a gift, and it's for free. I don't deserve them. I didn't do anything to earn them. I'm not entitled to them as it is. And when a person looks at things that like I don't deserve it, then a person can begin to realize, I'm happy with it. When you think that you're too good, when a husband thinks, you know what, I'm too good for my wife. I'm too good for her. She doesn't deserve me. That's when the problems start. When a person says, you know what, I'm too good. This car, it doesn't do me justice. It doesn't do me justice. I'm, a, I'm, 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 a, you know, I'm making a lot more money than this car is, you know, is emitting. This, this car doesn't really reflect who I am. I need a car that's that's more stadium, I need a car that's bigger, that's that's shinier, because it's it's a representative, it's representing who I am. In order for a person to realize and to be happy with what the, the car that he has today, he has to realize this car that I have, I don't deserve this car. I don't deserve a bicycle, I don't deserve like a you know, a, a razor. I, I, I just, I should be walking. I don't even deserve to walk. The Revenge and whatever He gives me is a gift. I'm entitled to a bigger car. I'm entitled to a bigger outlet. Who told you that? Where did that get into your head? I was by the Aguda convention um, a couple of weeks ago on Thursday night. And after the main speeches were over, I bumped into Rabbi Friend in the hallway, and I don't really know him at all, you know, other than through his tapes. And my father was a huge fan of of Rabbi Friend. He, he used to subscribe every month or so. He would get a whole booklet of, of the tapes, the cassettes, of the last, you know, month or two, sure. And he would always have them in the car, always playing them over and over again. In fact, when the last... Um, One of the last pieces of tire that I shared with my father was that you know I used to when I used to drive out to visit him every day in Long Beach when he was very sick. So I would uh, I would bring him you know Dunkin' Donuts from uh, you know on the way home on the way from Queens to to Long Beach. There's there's, now there's two Dunkin' Donuts. At the time there was only one, and so I got myself an iced coffee which is because it's called Yisrael, or it's not going to Yisrael, and the donuts are not Chalb Yisrael, but um, my father you know, ate not Chalb Yisrael, but he was not also on the milk, but not on the, not on the products. Either. So I would bring him donuts and, and muffins or whatever he would like, and he would insist that I had also the muffins. And I was like, you know, very, you know, no, I'm not hungry. Uh, he, says, he, says, uh, he says, why don't you eat? I said, not, you know, it's not Chalb yisrael. He says, my friend gave a sheer once about that Dunkin' Donuts is not—it's it's powdered milk—and and b'sipes of prank, you know, passing that powdered milk. You don't have to worry about halab yisrael. Just find me the tape. So to find that's omito in a hay because <laughs> my father had thousands of tapes from my friend, literally, and you know until I finally found that one, I had to go down and then. And then I had to find a tape recorder because it was the cassette, and that was also difficult and then and it, we listened to that sheer together um, but my father had this car it was a Lincoln town car and bought it new, but it was I don't know what year it was it was it was at least in nineteen ninety I would say it was 1999, maybe 1998, 1999, maybe, and you know, it was already, it was already like the the heat, the heat, and the air conditioner hadn't worked already for for a decade, and you know, and and the the whole suspension of the car was shot. It was like it was it was not it like I, it just wasn't a car. It was out not a car, and I would beg my father. My father was not a poor man. And I begged him, to lease a new car. Lease and get a nice car. For years, I was begging him. And he refused. Why did he refuse? Because the new cars didn't have a cassette recorder. They only had, you know, for, 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 uh, for discs. And, and he only had cassettes from my friend. So he continued driving this car, this old beaten car, which was once a beautiful car, but now it's already like, you know, every, every little young, you know, Tom Dick and Harry is driving a, you know, brand new lease car. It's not a big finish to drive a lease car today anymore. $200 a month, you get a beautiful car, get a new car? Nope. So I told the story, I said, the only way I could be magdier that car was it's a mobile tape recorder. Just to listen to your shoe And That's why my father kept it. That's a very old school approach. That's an approach that nobody knows of today. That's like, I'm not driving a car. Not, if the car is two years old, it's too old for me. I'm entitled to a big car. I need a nice car. I want to show you know, my neighbors, my friends, that I made it. Or that I'm, I'm successful in some way. Or or my parents are. But that's not a Yaakov Bittor approach. Yaakov listen, this world is a very transient world. If the Rabbi Sham gives you a car, be happy. If the Rebbe Hashanah gave you an apartment or gave you a house, be happy. If the Rebbe Hashanah gave you a, a couch and a dining room table and a bed, be happy. Be happy with it. You have a phone, be happy with that phone. You need a bigger phone, a better phone. Why? The answer is because you don't appreciate what the Rebbe Hashanah gave you. Because if you would appreciate it, you would see it for being the free gift that it is. And I'm not entitled to more. I don't need bigger. I don't need better. I can't afford it even if I could afford it. I, why? Why do I ask yourself, for what? I think that the three Vayichans in the parasha were the Makarfer of Yechon to say that there were three chinas. The Chain that Yaakov found. The Chiesh Likail, whatever he bought, whatever he owned. Chain al Leichav my wife, my children, chen. So I have a chen, I find chen in them. The Rabbani Shalom gave me them. It's chen, it's purely, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I, you know, there's Gemaras that say about like, Amayroim, their wives are really terrible, like nasty people. And the Talmudim would say, get rid of them, like, what, do you, what do you want? You know, everything she does you know, he asks for, for coffee, she brings him tea. He asks for a, you know, a Diet Coke, he br- she brings him a Coke. Like, whatever, anything, always it's is sabro. And it was really getting annoying, like, the, you know, get rid of her, next model. He says, no. He says, it's daya. it's enough that she raises my children and that she smacks me from chet. It's enough, it's good, whatever, It's good. That's not the attitude that we have today. Today, everything is like, it has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then I want to get rid of it. I want to trade it in and I want to get a better one. It's not perfect. Who says that we're entitled to perfection? Are we perfect that we need it? We're not. So why do we need perfection? Because we expect it. Because we have this ace of in in us. That we insist that we are, you know, whatever I could get, I should get more and bigger and better, that's not Yaakovinu. When we're younger, then maybe, like Rav Shach says, it's okay to have that attitude. It's okay, you know, children will be children, kids will be kids, boys will be boys, you want bigger, you want better, you know, Hanukkah time comes around, you want to ask for a nice gift, and, you know, when you, you want to dress a certain way when you're, when you're younger. You want, when you get mature a little bit, then we have to start like taking off that of costume and start putting on the apron, And that means we have to change our entire Mabat HaChayim, The way that shkafa, the way that we look at the world has to be different. Children are children, it's good. Sometimes you want the child to have a Gishmak. You want to give the child a nice bicycle and a nice walkie-talkie set and make him feel like a man it should make him feel excited about El that's Good, But we're not there anymore. We're, we should be beyond that. We should stop with this infatuation with materialism and consumerism. This Esau attitude of everything is kummir, everything is coming to me, and I should get more and bigger. That's not who we are as a people. That's not who who we should be as individuals. And even though everybody around us, the world might be crazy around us, but we as B'nai Taira have to be different. We have to say to ourselves, enough, it's good, the car is a good car. It's good, it works, it's good. The house, is a good house, the mecca that I bought is a good mecca. My wife is a wonderful woman. My children are good. Are they perfect? Are they straight A students? Are they? Ne- the the Rebbeinu gave me them. They're my present from the Rebbeinu Shalom. Somebody once came to the Chavetz Chaim and said to the Chavetz Chaim, Rabbi, my panacea says what the Parnassar, What's wrong with the Parnassah? You're not making Parnassah? He says. I am making parnasum. He says, but it could be better. It could be better. And Machavitz Chaim got very upset with that statement. He says, it could be better? Who told you that it could be better? If the Rebbein Shulam would have wanted it to be better, he would have given you more. If the Rebbein Shulam is not giving you more, that's a riot that this is exactly what he wants to give you. How could, how could you say it? It's fear on a way to say that parnasa could be better. But that's not the way we think. Everything is always not good enough. We need more. We have to, you know, that's not to say that we shouldn't be aggressive and we shouldn't be enterprising and ambitious. We should be. But we should never feel that it's magiawi, that I need, I demand, I deserve. Those are words that should not be in our lexicon. Whatever the Rabbanishim wants us to have, we have. Whatever the has given us, we have to appreciate. We have to fall on our hands and knees and say, Maiden, with Kavana, with Shema Malthus, because it's a gift. Many people would die to have what we have, and we're dying to have what other people have. We have to be each Ishtam, Yeshe Vaholim, we're living in a tent, confined. Restricted in a good way, restrained properly, Shulchan Hashkafa, knowing we are who we are, we're not looking to conquer the world, we just want to live simple, good, old-fashioned lives with nice homes, with nice children, with nice wives and nice, nice things, but not over the top, not more, not yeshli rav, I need more in abundance. But around what I have is mine. And I appreciate it. I understand that it's a gift. I'm satisfied. I'm ecstatic with what I have. And I'm constantly grateful for the Rav There's a chen. I see the mindless chinem in everything in life. A person that walks through life like this is a happy man. That's the Yachim Rabinu. He's an Yish Tom. A person that walks through life with the opposite, even though from the servant it seems like, wow, they're living the life. Vacations and homes and, and cars. And it. They're not happy because it never stops. Once you get into this sickness, it's a contagious sickness that you need more and you'll never be satisfied. And you'll never have the ability to say yesh li because you're always saying yesh Rav. raab. Halavai, we should be this me of Yaakov we have to wean ourselves off of the ace of inside of us, this addiction to this consumerism, materialism attitude that everything that we could get, we should be getting. And we have to look internally in our ayo, like Yath and say, wow, whatever I have is unbelievable. And thank the am going and appreciate everything and everybody in your life. Have a good time.